This is the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks, the company that keeps my business finances organized. I'm your host, Damona Hoffman, and I'm one of you, an entrepreneur with my own hobbies and passions. Today's episode explores what happens when you build a business based on your passion. My guest for today has had a long-standing love affair with his hometown, Brooklyn, New York, and now he makes his living showing people around his borough. However, his business, A Slice of Brooklyn Bus Tours, actually didn't even start out as a business at all. Here's the founder, Tony Muya, telling me how it all began. Well, for 20 years, I was working as a respiratory therapist in healthcare. I was taking care of trach patients on ventilators. And I worked at St. Vincent's Hospital in Manhattan. And one thing that that afforded me was to follow my passion, which was traveling. And whenever I traveled, I always sort of went off the beaten path and would ask locals what the best thing to do was. And I got these sort of insider, you know, sort of views of their hometowns. And as we'd talk, they'd ask me questions about Brooklyn whether it was the Dodgers, whether it was pizza, whether it was a, an actor or a TV show, a movie. And as I traveled, the more I traveled, I realized people were really fascinated with Brooklyn. It was this world they didn't know. They might have known Manhattan, but didn't realize that, you know, a mile and a half away, you've got this entirely different world. So when they would come to visit in the United States, we'd stay in touch and I'd take them in my car and drive them around, essentially doing what became, you know, my first tour, the pizza tour, and they loved it so much. And then their family would come and they'd say, hey, can you show my family around? And then there I was on weekends just showing people around, asking them to give me gas money because I loved where I was from. I loved Brooklyn. I'm proud Brooklynite. And I always thought Brooklyn had just as many foods, neighborhoods, landmarks, movie locations, things that people would want to see and hear and experience uh, uh, as much, if not more than Manhattan. And they started calling me this ambassador to Brooklyn. And, and um, after a while, like I said, I couldn't do healthcare anymore, but I didn't know what to do. I was despondent, right? Because you don't really think about these things. You know, I'm getting manuals and books that say, you know, write down what you love, right? And I'm like, what do I love? I love Brooklyn. I love pizza. I love movies. I love minutia that's stuck in my head that nobody else knows, but they seem to love about Brooklyn. And but I that thought, can't be a job. No, but that can't be a job. Exactly. That's not going to pay the bills. I mean, certainly my parents thought I was nuts leaving healthcare and benefits and all this to go do. But I really was psychologically, mentally, physically burnt. The years went on. So here I was with this idea. And for the first time in my life, I was really excited about something because I was going to create it myself. And I thought, well... You know, if we can do it the right way and use a bus and use the screens on the bus so I can point things out to people, whether it's a movie clip or a slide or an old, you know, something old about Brooklyn that's no longer around. And I thought and I got really excited about it and started to ask around. And that's when a friend of mine said I should speak to someone who's in the field already, Georgette Blau, who owns on location tours in Manhattan. She was just an invaluable resource a mentor we became friends so you didn't know her before no i didn't know her before but our yeah our trajectory was the same she had left this industry that she was in to create these tours of movie locations in manhattan and she was doing really well with it and we hit it off and she gave me all this info because what did i know about oh a tour guide license wait i need insurance wait 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 oh wait a minute now i have to like which bus companies do i work with you know how do i get incorporated all these things and i had no idea how to do it but it was really exciting because it was something I was completely throwing myself into. And it really 
little by little, I realized that I can do it in a way that would be not as boring or a little more engaging than the tours that I had been on, right? Because a tour guide could make or break it, right? And then, you know, depending on the bus that you're on, whether it's new or it's old, and I just wanted it to be this experience where people had stuff on the screens and there was stuff going on outside the windows and we take them to places to eat and we skip the lines when we go and they really feel like a VIP. And then I came up with the slogan, which was Manhattan, forget about it. So I thought, okay, no, I'm set. <laughs> Come to Brooklyn, right? Yeah. So how did how did you transition from thinking of this as this is just a hobby, this is something I do for for friends or tourists that come into town and give me gas money to I'm going to actually start charging this to I'm actually scaling this to become the top top tour in Brooklyn. How do I scale from the idea all the way up? Yeah, well, you know, that's a great question. At the time, there were no tours coming to Brooklyn. And, and I remember being an angry Brooklynite because Mayor Giuliani had increased tourism to New York City, right? But it was all Manhattan-centric. And I was like, we've got great food. We've got history. We've got this. We've got that. We've got Coney Island. I had decided that we have to go to Manhattan to pick people up. Nobody was coming to Brooklyn in 2005. And if they were, they were adventurous tourists who were taking the train in and then doing something like, you know, a five-hour tour of the history of the Battle of Brooklyn. It's like, that's really, that's that's really specialized, you know. For me, I wanted it to be a little bit of everything. Food, history, neighborhoods, landmarks, movie locations, trivia, etc. And so I thought, okay, there's a chance here. It just so happened at the same time that the travel editor for the for the Associated Press, Beth Harpaz, lived in Park Slope, Brooklyn, and she got wind of it and thought, wow, this is a great idea. And she reached out to me and and she said, you know, this is what we need. You know, nobody's doing this for the borough. And she did a little three-paragraph blurb that went everywhere around the country, like those magazines like that are in the middle of the Sunday papers and things like that. And so that helped us out tremendously because that, that was launched a few months before the tour launched. You you skipped a, an important step mm -hmm. that I know a lot of our listeners are curious about. Like getting press is such a, mm -hmm. is such a magical, mythical thing. Mm -hmm. And you said she just, she got wind of it. Was this something that you submitted? You had a press release. How did she get wind of your business? Yeah, no, we definitely did a, a, a press release, and and but I don't think the press release has as much power as people think. Sometimes I think years ago it did. You know, now it's so easy to just drop someone an email, contact them on Facebook or Twitter, etc. But it was the fact that I joined NYC and Company, which is New York City's main tourism agency, and they were the ones that were able to spread the word and announce that there was this tour launching. And that was one of the things that Georgette encouraged me to do. And I was like, what do you mean? I have to pay how many hundreds of dollars a year to join this organization? What are they going to do for me? I really didn't understand it at first. And you realize how invaluable they are and have this worldwide global reach whenever it comes to tourism. That's where everyone turns to when it comes to New York City is NYC and company, people around the world. First tour, tour did so well, but I wasn't really running the company uh, intelligently. I was really just losing money. I didn't price it out right. I wanted people to know about it. I was running buses that were half full as, the, as business was dwindling down because now it's a different sort of world. You have to invest in SEO and you have to have a website and get traffic and everybody's vying for that traffic on the internet. So suddenly business started dropping down and, and, and I was close to pretty much had lost the capital that I had originally had to run to start the business. Um, and you'd and put your own money in. I put my own money. Yeah. I put my own money into so it and that, and that helped and that helped as well too, you know, as a, as a single guy, you know, putting your own money into it. And if things got lean, you know, I can, you know, eat 
you know, ramen, ramen and well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> everyone and says to, that. I'll yeah. just eat ramen noodles, but no, it, you, it, you're it, you're a Brooklynite. You want to eat pizza? Well, I eat pizza. Yeah, that's what I do. I <laughs> eat pizza. Um, but um, but yeah, it was really I had, I had, I was at my wit's end, and it was it was really bad, and and I was close to calling it quit, and um, and all of a sudden. Boom, boom, boom! These little things started happening, and you know, I was sort of on a local radio show called Food Talk that they found out about me out of the blue. I didn't reach out to them. Then the New York Times did a little blurb about us, along with other tours in New York City, but they had my photo in it, so it was sort of, sort of brand recognition. And then the Today Show, Meredith Reese, the producer, contacted me and said, "We love this press you've been getting," which ironically was at the worst point in in in, in the whole endeavor. And she said, "We'd love to do a story about you. We'd love to come on the bus." and maybe, you know, bring a crew out. And they brought Jenna Wolf, and that was incredible. It turned out to be like almost like a 13-minute segment airing at 8.45 in the morning on a Wednesday in October in 2007. And they estimated that about 5 million people were home watching it, mostly housewives who happened to do all the trip planning for families, which I came to learn later on. And that, that literally in that one day, we sold tickets from five minutes before the segment ended until midnight that night. The ticketing agency I was using said that they had never seen anything like that in one day as far as sales. And that was it. And after that, I sort of big goodbye to to healthcare and started doing it full time to the point that then I needed someone to come on, which ended up being my cousin Paula. I needed someone. Well, I'm not going to go outside the family, right? I'm going to get someone in the family. And then it was like, okay, now we're rolling. But it's so funny how the Today Show happened at really the worst time possible, where it was really just I had lost everything. Fortunately, Tony didn't lose it all. That Today Show segment put a slice of Brooklyn tours back on the map. But a business can't sustain itself off of one media opportunity. Tony needed to come up with an organizational strategy to keep building off of this opportunity and growing his company. Lucky for him, he met the woman who would complete him and his business right on time. So you brought Paula into the business. Yeah. And... Not long after you uh, you brought someone else into the family, right? Right, right exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's when I met my wife Ronnie. We met in two thousand and nine, yes. right? July fourth, two thousand and nine. A day that will live in infamy. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was the best day of my life, actually. So we met on the fourth of July, and um, Ronnie was living in Manhattan. I was a Brooklyn boy, but uh, she wasn't. She. She really was uh, incredible in helping me out because, you know, I'm, I'm good at creating the experiences, the tours, the things that people want to do. But the back end stuff, I, you know, I, it's hard to wear all those hats. And Ronnie had this great business background, but she's really been my biggest supporter. And it's just, you know, she, it's, it, this amazing feeling of having another person helping you out, you know, because when you're in the trenches by yourself, you know, it's it's really it's really hard to, to, to weather everything that comes at you, you know? Like yeah, I said. and how to think, uh, think ahead as well. Uh, Ronnie, I want to go to you. Yes. Because I know um, this probably wasn't your, your vision, your dream. No. From the beginning. When did you, were you on board from, uh, no pun intended, but were you on board <laughs> from the beginning when, once you met Tony and you knew you were marrying into this family, was that, um, was this business something that you were passionate about from the start or did he have to kind of talk you into being involved with it? Well, actually when we met, um, we met in July and we sort of knew pretty quickly that this was it for us. And then came, come December of that year, 
I actually worked on all the tours with Tony and it was so much fun. I sort of got the bug about showing people and seeing people light up and being so excited when they visit, you know, the Christmas lights decorations and all this stuff. So that got me hooked. And I saw that Tony coming from the healthcare background didn't have the business background. So it was great that I was able to sort of help him, guide him, explain to him some of the business aspects of doing business. Wait, but that that's not always easy. <laughs> not every husband <laughs> wants to get business advice from oh, his wife. Especially was... an Italian guy from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> it so was how, did, how, did you, how did you start to kind Lots of... Lots of fighting. <laughs> was it at the beginning? Um, or is it well, now? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, you know, in the beginning... First, I was helping him on the tours. So I got to see what the business was about. And I think that helped me. And then afterwards, just I've learned that you plant the seed and I sort of slowly do it. Tony's not very good at somebody coming in because it's giving up control and coming in and saying, this is how it needs to be done. So instead, I would say, you know, if I were doing this, this is maybe how I would do it. Or let's look at some other options or let's look at the bigger picture first and would give a couple of ideas. And then he would pick the one that best fit for him. Yeah, and I like the, have you ever thought about? <laughs> right. And then it, at one point it got so good. He, he came to me one day and he said, Ronnie, I have this new thing I do. I said, what is it? And it was, he goes, every time I have to make a decision, I think to myself, WWRD or what would Ronnie do? And so I was like, really? And I knew that was... Well, I mean, I was... How many times can you be proven wrong, right? Eventually, <laughs> like, she's right, she's right again, she's right. So you just follow it. Ronnie hit the nail on the head, though. I'm a total control freak, total OCD, and have to be in control of things. And that's not good when you run a business. You really need to delegate as soon as possible. So it's taken many, many years to learn that lesson. Um, but she would always say, work smarter. You know, there's ways to do things smarter. And, you know, I'm just, I'm not a whiz when it comes to all the tools that are on the internet. I mean, I'm embarrassed to say I don't even know how to use Excel. And like, how does someone who have a, has a business not use Excel, right? They use so, FreshBooks. You know, <laughs> right. they do. Which I don't know how to use either, you know? But, I'll show but you. But Ronnie does. And, and that's <laughs> where sort of the back end started to really all all makes sense. And, and that's when I think I started to take over more and more of the back end. And we, I eventually got Tony to realize that having an assistant help him would be really helpful. So he could concentrate on the creative stuff and then have somebody do more of the back end assistant stuff. You know, there was business just slipping through my fingers, you know, people that wanted to book private tours and trying to get back, back to them. And I would literally hit the computer at seven in the morning. There were times I was still there at seven at night. And was, she's like, what are you doing? You need an assistant. I'm like, no, the assistant's not going to understand. The assistant's not going to be able to whatever, whatever. What do you mean they'll never understand? But when you work from home, work-life balance is inevitably a challenge that you have to deal with. And sometimes you can't even see it. Sometimes someone else who's important in your business has to bring the issue to your attention. And I think our daughter was the one who really pointed it out to us of saying, you know, you guys are always talking about work or you're always on your phones and I need some time. And we sort of took a step back and said, wow, you know, these moments are fleeting when they're young. So let's get somebody on board again. Because when we had moved, I said, you know, we're living where you've moved. Let me work on being your assistant for a little while. Let's see how it works. And we did it, I'd say, for about six months. And that's when our daughter said, this isn't working for me. And she's 
was so now, six yeah. years old at the time. And she, so now it's no phones at the table. Right. You know what I mean? No as talking much, I mean, about as, it, as we much, try. As much as we try, yeah. And I think but, the other way, sorry, that we keep our boundaries is Tony and I have separate interests. So while we might spend a lot of time during the day, Tony loves to go see music and concerts. I let him do his thing. I do my thing with my friends. So we find separate social times is how we kind of keep it. Yeah, because most most couples, right, they're working, they're out of the house during the day, right? And then they come back at night and sort of have that quality time at night. Hey, how was your day? How was your this? How was your that, right? We're home all the time, right? So, and then Gabby comes home from school, our daughter, it's like, Gabby, how was your day? And then it's sort of like, okay, so now let's be a family. So it's the opposite for us. Then, you know, maybe we'll go out at night, I'll watch Gabby and she'll do stuff with her friends locally and vice versa, I'll go to concerts or whatever it is. So that's where we found the, the right balance. So it's been a while since the the Today Show press and you got that big bump from the Today Show. But to have a viable business that allows you to have a family and and keep your livelihood, you can't just do the you can't just have a one hit wonder. Right. Ronnie, I'm curious what you've done with your business background to continue to scale and grow the business. Because now you're doing not just the Slice of Brooklyn pizza tours, right. but you're doing so many other, you're doing the Christmas tour, you have four Chocolate different tours. Tour and the Best of Brooklyn tour, yeah. So I think we have, now that Tony has been able to let go a little bit on the administrative part, he has more time for the creative. And we've sat down and we have brainstormed. And one of the other great things is we have some amazing tour guides. Uh, Mark and Paula really have their pulse on the young Brooklyn. And so they have been able to come up with ideas. One of the ones we're working on is our brewery and distillery tour, because that's the coolest happening thing in Brooklyn. So we're able to sort of bring other people in, listen to their ideas and let them run with it a little bit. Yeah, our guides are amazing. I mean, my thing has always been that my guides have to be from Brooklyn, right? So there's that passion and that pride. Um, so both of them are. And the other thing is, you know, it's creating that experience when someone comes and takes the tour, you know, feeling like we love when they put in their reviews, you know, we felt like a friend was showing us around, you know, we had like for four and a half hours, we didn't want it to end. And, and that's people keep coming back. And what happens is people, you know, despite all the press that you could possibly get in a business like ours, what's really invaluable is word of mouth, right? Somebody comes home from a vacation, right? And they say, oh my gosh, you have to see this. We did this tour. If you go, you have to do this. And inevitably, you just, you, it's unbelievable how many people, how did you hear about us? How did you hear about us? And things will come up like TripAdvisor and, you know, did a search, but inevitably, you know, 85, 90% is word of mouth. Friend took the tour, family member took the tour. And we have people coming back over and over because now they feel like they're revisiting, you know, they love Mark, they love Paula. Years ago, I used to do the tour and they'd want to come back and do it again with their friends and family. I, I'll i tell you the way I would, I book a tour. Okay, <laughs> I might ahead. hear about it from a friend. And then, like you said, I'll go to TripAdvisor, I'll go to Yelp and check mm -hmm. out what are the reviews. I'll read some good reviews. I'll read some bad reviews. Are how important do you find those social media sites or, or review sites to be for your business? And is there anything you do to manage your reputation there? Mm, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a great <laughs> question. 
we didn't realize as we get to speak to people on the tours, we, we started to realize we'd say to them, how did you hear about us? And a lot of people said, oh, they're talking about you on TripAdvisor. And I'd say to them, this was early on when I was doing the tours myself. I said, they are? Who's they? Who's right. they? Yeah. And what is this TripAdvisor you speak of? But no, suddenly you go and you see. And then as you start to use TripAdvisor as a consumer and you and sort of its validity, right? Because, you know, you take you take those those reviews, you know, you sort of take them seriously because people will be brutally honest either way, plus or, you know, pro or con. So we started to realize that there were a lot of people talking about us. And what we started to do was sort of at the end of each tour, have a clipboard and say, hey, if you had a great time with us, you'd like to join our mailing list. We send out a monthly newsletter. We'll let you know when new tours are up and running. We'll send you a, a discount code so that, you know, the next time you come, you can, you know, get a break on on ticket prices. Um, and then what happens is, you know, we send them a thank you email for send, signing up for that email, uh, uh, that email uh, list and uh, for subscribing. And what we do in the process is, hey, if you have a moment, can you just take a second to post a quick review on TripAdvisor? It really help us out tremendously in spreading the word about the tour. And in inevitably, people become fans of what you're doing, and they want to help spread the word, and they realize you're a small family-owned business. And so we went from like, you know, maybe about 43 reviews on TripAdvisor to, you know, hundreds of them after taking control of where we send people. There are certain sites that have more validity, like Yelp, unfortunately, is not one of those sites uh, that has credibility based on some of the Practices. They would come to businesses like myself and other businesses and, and sort of strong arm you and say, hey, you know, we can make those bad reviews disappear and we can make your good reviews go to the top if you pay us this monthly fee. And you're like, wait a minute. What do you mean a monthly fee? So, but TripAdvisor has never strong-armed anyone. So, so consumers find that to be a reliable source, right? You have Google reviews, which are a very reliable source. And now you realize that if you take ownership of Google, you know, of your business on Google and start to have people review on Google, that also helps with the search engine optimization and, you know, the validity of what you're doing. So these reviews are invaluable for what we're doing. Obviously, someone can go home and tell their friends, but for someone to be able to read it, you know, online that helps a lot and then also we have a big social media presence i think the first time tony had a bad review on on social media it was very upsetting and it he hurts. was like oh my god it hurts it was personal so, <laughs> it yeah, feels personal it initially. really was personal and i think you know i was able to say but it's one out of the thousand people realize you know if you see one bad one you pretty much think like oh that person probably That's could them. never be happy yeah and <laughs> Also, maybe it adds some validity because if they see the bad, you know that not everybody's always going to be happy. And then you have all these great reviews. It sort of is makes it more real. But when you're starting out and you want those reviews and suddenly it's one of the early reviews, you think you're you think you're 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 gone. You think you're a goner. You know, that's it. That's going to kill me, that one review. And yet. You know, when I see a bad review amongst a bunch of great reviews, you realize, okay, you know, you can't make everyone happy. And it helps if you can respond as a business owner and give you a perspective, which is, you know, a plus. At least they allow you to do that. Yeah, it tells you a lot yes. when you read those responses. Yeah. You brought up the two S's of marketing, SEO mm -hmm. and social media. Mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about your strategy for each of those, starting with with SEO, is it something that you really think about strategically or is it more just about like letting these Google reviews drive the the search? Um, first of all, SEO is something that, again, I know nothing about, right? So I had trusted a company to help us out with SEO and 
later realized they weren't doing it right at all. So I was spending all this money and business was just dwindling down. They were using- They were actually hurting They the were actually hurting us. Yeah. So in other words, they were, you know, until I started to realize what was going on. And I blame myself a lot of times, you know, as, as human beings, if we don't know something, we're sort of like, all right, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to approach it. I don't understand it. it. It it gives me great anxiety. They know what they're doing, right? They're the SEO company. And we got totally screwed over. I mean, they were just using bad practices. They were sending people, trying to- steer traffic to away from our competitors. It's like, well, you know, if someone's looking for your competitor, they're going to look for your competitor. They don't want to land on your page, right? And so uh, recently we just completely changed. We're using another company where the owner of the SEO company is actually a tour operator. And now they developed our website and they do our SEO. And I can't tell you how revenue has increased dramatically since they took over. Um, I now have weekly phone calls with him so he can explain to me what I don't understand and I continue to not understand it, but when he explains it, it sort of makes sense a little bit. Um, and as long as I see that the revenue has gone up, that's what's important. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where you could trust someone to do what they're supposed to do, but you start to realize that just because someone's an SEO company doesn't mean that they sort of know everything either. It was like, an unfortunate experience that we had this SEO company that failed us, but in a way it showed us how important SEO was is to our business. And before, I think I sort of didn't understand the importance. And I'd say, why are we spending so much money on the SEO? And especially because we don't understand it. And when I saw this drop in the revenue, and then I'd say within three days, we had such a different um, draw to our website and for ticket purchasing, it was immediate, the difference that I was like, wow, I totally see the importance and it's and as Tony says now he has these weekly meetings because we realize how important so I'd say we are very strategic mm-hmm. now about the SEO. Look, we have all made some bad hiring decisions. Personally, I've realized that my worst hires and collaborations were made from feeling emotional connection rather than out of an analytical place. Going forward, I always check references and prior work history and set clear expectations for outcomes, deadlines, and deliverables before moving forward. I guess that's why they say, hire slow, fire fast. And make sure you read the fine print on the contract, or better yet, have a lawyer do that for you. It's good that you're open to learning it, because I think this is a a trap that a lot of entrepreneurs fall into. There's this gap in their knowledge. You can't know everything about everything. And I I know in my business, I have hired the wrong consultants for certain certain roles. And sometimes you don't know right away. Sometimes you don't see the drop in revenue right away. But you, you have to be willing to iterate when you see things going the wrong direction. Right. What about for social media? There are a lot of people now that are popping up as social media agencies. Probably some of our listeners are are social media agencies. How do you how do you manage your social media? And if you were hiring an agency, what would you be looking for? Mm-hmm. Well, originally I did try to do the social media myself, and this was before I had an assistant and talk about it taking up hours of your time, right? Because with social media, obviously you can't get on and just sell, sell, sell. I'm a big fan of Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, and he'll, you know, and, and he'll tell you, you can't really just get on and sell. What it is, is it's about engagement and having these conversations. People, small businesses don't have that time to be able to have those conversations sometimes. And, and so it becomes this sort of mental burden as to whether you can uh, devote the time or not devote the time. 
I realized at one point that it was something that I wanted. You know, while I started my company by myself, I always loved working with a team, right? So when Ronnie came on, when Paula came on, when the SEO company came on, suddenly it starts to feel like a team feeling, right? And I needed another aspect, another member of the team, and it was social media. So uh, I came in touch with um, Allison James. She owns organic content, and she is amazing. What she has done with our social media in terms of, number of followers, fans, engagement, the way she engages them, whether it's, you know, weekly giveaways where we'll do a contest, give away a hat or a shirt, or whether it's, you know, famous Brooklynites birthdays or trivia or important dates and just, you know, posting photos of people who take the tour, everything that a social media person should do, a social media coordinator should do, this is what she does. And she literally has our Facebook page, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Right. She helps out. She does the, the the blogs that, you know, we used to do weekly blogs. Now they're sort of we do them twice a month um, to have someone like that is incredible. I mean, and, and the important thing is that she knows the vision and the branding and and it didn't take her long to get it. And there's things that we work on. And sometimes I give her full sort of control over. But as I said, I'm a control freak and I'm trying to get better at it. But like now I. I just, once you give up and you realize that people need to do what they do and you need to sort of let them shine, um, it's worked so much better. And and, and social media is so po- important yeah. nowadays. I mean, most people get their information from social media. I mean, I'm sure if a friend said to you, oh, you have to check out this tour, within one second, they're on their phone, looking at the website, checking out Facebook, checking out Instagram. So there's no more of that lapse. That's how important it is. It's the next step for people and she's to there search respond, things. Yeah. Yeah. And she's there responding to people. I mean, you post you post something on the page, she's responding to you, you know, and, and she's under the, you know, she's part of the Slice of Brooklyn team. You know, if there's something she can't answer, she'll defer to me, you know, but th- it's important to have someone like that on your team uh, because and you can't And social media all. can take up yeah. so much time that yeah. it's important to have a dedicated person if yep. possible. Mm-hmm. because it's a constant all day long. So as the business has continued to grow and you've had to you've had to release some of this control Tony and delegate, what are the things that you still feel like you want to keep under your purview? Like what are the mm-hmm. things that you still love about the business? You know, for me it's just still being able to convey the story of Brooklyn, right? So um, whether we continue to do more tours or hire more guides or, you know, I'll always, I'll never be completely hands off, right? I have to be hands off cause I'm a control freak. At least that's what my therapist tells me, but, and it's working, it is working. Um, but I think that once you realize that people are sharing your passion and you give them an opportunity and you give them a chance to sort of grow and to flourish and prove themselves, you know, that that's when you start to see that, okay, this is, it's, I can still be in charge of things and guide where things are going to go, but people now have my back, you know, yeah. and people have the company's back and they're going to grow it and there's job stability and, you know, that's a long-term, long-term thing for everyone. I think one of the things, sorry to speak for you, but I think one of the things that you love is also developing the new tours. I mean, that's sort of what he's been focusing on so he can share another aspect of Brooklyn that he loves and and he could show a new face of Brooklyn because there's so much going on in yeah, Brooklyn. Yeah, and I'm still not, it's not like I've got grown, you know, tired of it. It's still so exciting to me, you know, because now, like Ronnie said, now we're doing this brewery and distillery tour, right? And I have this list of tours that I've wanted to do for so long. Like, I would love to just do, you know, an ethnic food tour. I would love to do just a dessert tour where you go to the different ethnic neighborhoods in Brooklyn and maybe you know, try the 
baklava here and try the cannoli there and try, you know what I mean? And I think that there's different ways that people experience when they travel. There's different experiences that they that they want, that they prefer. Um, so for me, it's just kind of be exciting to just make the experience as, as true and as honest as possible. So people do continue to feel like, wow, you know, some friends were showing me around for four and a half hours and taking me to places, you know, I might not ever see on my own. It must be hard to do all that research, eat all that pizza. Oh, so difficult. Look at me. Look at the size of me. <laughs> Stop. Not, not difficult at all. <laughs> but one of the things, you know, on that with with um, Tony saying that people feel like like their friends have shown them around, we now have good friends. Oh, yeah. We do. Paula, Mark, every all of us have friends that we've met on the tours. And they come back with their families right. and, and their we've kids met families and, we'll and we've meet traveled, up with them. we've seen them in other countries or wherever they're from or yeah. same for Mark and Paula. And that's a really nice feeling like that these people are now a part of our circle of friends. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I'm sure also you get a lot of international travelers. Oh, too. Yeah. oh yeah. So they may only go to New York and you're sort of representing the whole country here. Yeah, there are some, <laughs> there are some folks that only come to New York at Christmas time. We will never see them again, except for on our Christmas lights tour. And then there's other people that they have to come. We have one guy, Steve Taylor from the UK. I mean, God love him. He's He'll literally be here every few months if he can. And, and he'll take a tour with us and experience every tour and come back to do each one a second time. And when we see him, it's like, Steve, you know, it's like Ronnie said, it's like seeing a friend again. I'm curious what's next for you. What is your long-term goal for the business? Do you see your daughter taking it over <laughs> and funny, yeah. you know, running the <laughs> yeah. tours? Or is yeah. there an endpoint where you, fig- you feel like if it's no longer exciting for you anymore, you'd be willing to sell it, pass it on, give it up? Yeah, no, I, I, I don't see that. I mean, obviously, as I get older, I mean, I'm 55 now, so, right? So I have a few more years, right? But um it's we always joke around with our daughter Gabby, right? She's like, I'm like, come on, you're seven. I need yeah, you to be a tour guide next year. She's excited about it. She actually <laughs> told me the other day. She's like, Mom, I don't really understand the booking system, so I don't know if I could take over the. <laughs> the right, business. Right? I said, you have right. a little bit to yeah, worry about that. You have to go to college first. Right, but, but she was like, but a, year, a few years ago, she was like, I'm going to be a tour guide, oh, and I have yeah. tour, I have tour ideas. Oh, she daddy, actually already you know? is trying to create a kid yeah. tour. That's like, a great idea. That's a great idea. I would come and take that tour. Would you with your kids? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'll let her know. But <laughs> you know, it's it's a great feeling to know that you have people in place that they have your back and that they'll continue it. You know, after and I'm someday gone, so. maybe. Well, we haven't really discussed that because I think we're so enjoying the moment yeah. that we're living in that we haven't worried much about. And it's still tomorrow. fun, you know what I mean? It's when it stops being fun, then maybe I might have to make a decision. But it's still, yeah. it's still fun, you know. And there are challenges that come up, and the faster you can handle those challenges, the better it is, and it gets a little bit easier as as years go on, right? But uh, the city's changing, Brooklyn's changing, you know. So it's never going to be boring, and it's never going to be. Sort of, I don't see it ever not being fun. Before we go, we like to end each interview with a segment we call tips mm-hmm. or tools. Are there tools? I know you're you're not so much into the tech, but it could be any tip or any tool that helps you run the business and make your life more livable that you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, I think that, as I said, it's important to delegate 
to, to good people as soon as possible. So you sort of make your life easier. It's important to surround yourself with your peers, other people that are doing what you do. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one in the trenches, right? So we try to, I try to have these meetings with other tour operators like Georgette and some of the other tour operators so that you kind of bounce some ideas around and see that it's not just you that's going through what you're going through, that it's others as well. Um, and I think, you know, since I'm dealing with the back end and more of the customer service part, I would say what we instill in everybody who works for us is we treat all of our customers the way we want to be treated. So even though we have a policy that says no refunds, no cancellations, no exchanges, exchanges we know that life happens. And so we can work with people and, and nothing is black and white. So life is you know, something that flows and it's all about gray, shades of gray. So we just try to work with people so everybody has a good feeling. And that's kind of the end from the customer service all the way to the tour. That's kind of how we think about it. I was so inspired talking to Tony and Ronnie. And I had to ask, what inspires them? My wife, yeah. Oh, exactly. and I was about yeah. to say you, Really, honey? honey? Yeah. <laughs> that's really awesome. Pass the really tissues. <laughs> Hold on. Pass the tissues. Yeah, no, I mean, because that's that's the thing, right? You're the one. Nobody sees you uh, when you're in the trenches, you know, except, uh, you know, your loved ones. So it's like, that's that's the one thing. Because there's plenty of times that I just, I, I'm just, I'm a, I have a bad Italian temper. And I just <laughs> I like, like to call it passion. <laughs> passion. <laughs> right. And she's she's able to calm me down and has over the years. And I don't know how she does it. But, but it, it, you know, it's one of those things where I fly off the handle. You know, I'll go from like zero. I don't go from like zero to five. I'll go from zero to 15 and then come back down and then experience remorse, et cetera. And then you realize that, you know, Ronnie will just calm me down and be like, look, this is, you know, don't worry about it. This is going to, how it's going to work out. This is what's going to happen. And I sort of start to realize that it, it takes just as much energy, energy to be pessimistic as it does to be optimistic. So I try to be more optimistic and she's been huge in terms of helping me with that. And my feeling is that for somebody who had no business knowledge and had never worked in this field to take something that was a dream and create this business where we can all live this beautiful life from that to me is amazing. So thank you, honey. You're welcome, honey. That's just how we practiced it at home. <laughs> no, well. we did it. <laughs> no, you two are an inspiration and I cannot wait thank you. to have my slice of Brooklyn next time I come to New York. Well, City. Sounds we'll, great. We'll see you on the we bus. Some people say, don't make your passion your business, but if you're in a business that's inspired by your passion, you have to dive in with both feet. Tony designed this business around his life, brought in the people who were closest to him and got them invested in his idea and never looked back. Here are the key takeaways from Tony's story. Go to where your audience is. If you want to entice people to come to Brooklyn, you might need to pick them up in Manhattan. So which figurative borough are your customers hanging out in right now? Get it? And don't be afraid to ask questions. Your mentors and supporters can help steer you in the right direction. Delegate, delegate, delegate. You don't need to do it all. Leverage press to grow your business. And of course, make friends with your customers. That's what's kept them in business for 15 years. 
Are you curious about FreshBooks, the number one cloud accounting solution for small business owners and their teams? If so, let FreshBooks show you how to save hours on accounting paperwork and get your finances organized. Use our special link. It's freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L and you'll get an exclusive offer. That's freshbooks.com slash I-M-A-L, short for I Make a Living. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. Paco Erzmendi is our director and producer, and I'm Damona Hoffman, your host and producer. If you want to chat with me about relationships or business or anything in between, you can find me at Damona Hoffman on all the socials or at DamonaHoffman.com. Also, come meet me and the team at an I Make a Living live event. We'll have an interesting panel and additional resources for small business owners. Go to imakealiving.com to see when we'll be in a city near you. I would love to meet you there. And remember to follow your passion because it's your business. I'll see you next week.